The Word of God is living. It is powerful, infallible, indestructible, incorruptible, and it will work mightily in me. And now, your host, Pastor Jerry Maya Williams, from the service already in progress. And they tested him by asking him this question. Is it lawful for man to divorce his wife for just any reason? Is it lawful? Now, undoubtedly, the Pharisees practiced divorcing their wives just for any reasons. Can you imagine being divorced for just any reason? Well, perhaps you can. Because nowadays, a lot of people get divorces and it doesn't take very much of a reason to get a divorce. They even have a cause that they refer to as irreconcilable, <laughs> glory to God, irreconcilable differences. Well, everybody is different. So if you got an irreconcilable difference, why'd you get together in the first place? Because you've always been different. I suppose that the Pharisees just divorced their wives for any reason. Can you imagine living your life like that if you're married? Can you imagine divorcing your wife because she burnt your toast? Or she scrambles her eggs instead of cooking them once over easy. Huh? See, I don't have to worry about all that in my marriage. See, my wife told me early on, early on, I, I complained about something my wife made and the way it tasted. She said, well, get, I said, don't taste like my mama's. She says, get your mama to make it. So I haven't had to say that to my wife again. And thank God this brother knows his way around the kitchen. How many hear what I'm saying? I know my way around the kitchen. Huh? But the Pharisees came to Jesus to test him. And they asked him this question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason. And what Jesus does immediately, he gives them a prophetic vision. He refers to the prophecy of the book. He says to them, have you not read that in the beginning he made them male and female? Stay with me now. And he said to them, for man shall leave his father and his mother, be joined unto his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So Jesus went on to say, they are two and they're no longer one. Therefore, whom God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Look at the prophetic vision that Jesus gives the Pharisees about marriage. He is saying that to ask is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason is a misnomer. It makes no sense. How can you divorce yourself from yourself? Because you were male and female, but when you came together, you were no longer two, but God has made you one. So how do you divorce yourself from yourself? Because now you're one flesh. How I many hear what I'm saying? You're one flesh. Glory to God. And I thought about this. And my mind went back to the book of Genesis. In the very beginning, in the book of Genesis, where God said, let us 
make man in our own image and after our own life. And now, beloved, this is a prophetic vision. We need to understand this. If we don't understand the prophecy of the book at the very beginning, then our understanding is going to be skewed throughout the rest of the book. But God said in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness and let them have dominion. Did you hear what I said? Let them have dominion. And before you have dominion over anything else, over anybody else, you need to have dominion over yourself. So when Jesus came so when the Pharisees came and asked Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason, that man should have some dominion over himself. That man should be able to rule over himself. The truth is the Bible shows from the very beginning that man was born to rule. And our rulership first begins with ourselves. So God says, let us make man in our own image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man, hear me beloved, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Now, let me pause there for a minute because we need to make sure our prophetic vision isn't faulty. I know we refer to God as Father and we pray to him as Father because Jesus instructed us to. But Father God is both male and female from the very beginning. And since the very beginning, he's always been male and female because he created man in his own image. Male and female created he, him. That's Genesis chapter one, verse 27. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Oh, glory to God. God blessed them. The blessings of the Lord will always follow you. This is according to the prophecy of the book. The blessing of the Lord is always following you. The blessing of the Lord is looking for you. Even when the curse comes against you, the curse causes shall not come. The curse will not stick without a justification according to Proverbs 26 2. The curse causes shall not come. And we need to understand this. We don't have a curse on our lives we have the blessings of God upon our lives. Then, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. There it is again. And have dominion. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing upon the face of the earth. God says, walk in your dominion. You were created, you were born to have dominion. What is dominion? According to the prophecy of the book, we should be people of dominion. And dominion simply means that we have been called to rule. 
We have been called to subjugate our circumstances and not allow our circumstances to subjugate us. We have been called to dominate situations. We have been called to tread down. In other words, we are to walk on the enemy and the enemy is not to walk on us. We're to tread down on the enemy. Glory to God. That's what it means to dominate. You see, when God formed man, according to Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Lord God formed man and he breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. When God did that, he formed man with his own hands. Huh? And he prophesied life and dominion in man right then and right there. When God breathes in us, he breathes in us life and dominion. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive not just the joy of the Lord, but you receive the life of God. You receive power to dominate. Glory to God. So God formed man with his own hands. I want you to think about this. Could this be why the land on the hands work? Listen to me. God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils, and Adam became, he became well. He became whole, spirit, soul, and body. He became a living soul. Could this be the very reason why the land on our hands worked? Remember in Mark 16, Jesus gave his disciples the great commission. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And these signs shall follow them that believe. He says, in my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any daily thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick. There it is. They shall lay, that's verse 18. Mark 16, verse 18. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Glory to God. Why? That's the prophecy of the book. God began laying his hands on man. And now that we've been made in God's image and have this likeness, we're to lay hands on one another. We're to lay hands on others. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, I miss the laying on the hands. Oh, I miss it. Glory to God. But you know what? I hold to the prophecy of the book. I miss us coming together as a congregation. But I stand on the prophecy of the book. The prophecy of the book says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner some is, but exhorting one another even the more as you see the day approaching. Glory to God. I stand on that prophecy of the book. I have a prophetic vision based on that scripture. So by faith, I see us coming back together as a congregation. It may not be next month. It may not be two months, three months from now. But I see us coming back together as a congregation because the prophecy of the book says that should be our vision. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now because of Adam's disobedience and his spiritual death, now, through obedience, when we prophesy, you know what we're doing? How many have ever prophesied? You need to understand what's happening. Because of Adam's disobedience and his spiritual death, now we, through the life of God in us, 
And through our obedience, when we prophesy, we're prophesying life and dominion into man. That's right. We are being imitators of our Father. We're created in his image and have this likeness. And the same way he breathed life into Adam, when we prophesy, we're also in breathing by the Spirit, life and dominion in one another. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know what, beloved? Satan hates prophecy. You know, some churches just cut prophecy out altogether because there's a lot of silliness that happens with prophecy. There's a lot of abuses with prophecy. But you know what? If I'm going to err, I want to err on the side of being obedient to the prophecy of the book. Huh? I want prophecy among us. I want prophecy to be commonplace in our community. Because this is according to the prophecy of the book. Now, if you're on God's side, then you want to know what is the mind of the Lord. You see, we need to understand two words here before I go any further. What is prophecy? Now, in the most simplistic terms, prophecy is speaking forth the mind and the counsel of God. That's all it is. You get the mind of God. You understand the prophecy of the book. And that's the counsel of God. And prophecy is speaking forth the mind and the counsel of Almighty God. Prophecy is a now. Stay with me. That's all it is. It's a now. But on the other hand, to prophesy. Glory to God. That's a verb. That's something you do. And when you prophesy, you're speaking, you're singing by the inspiration of God. When you prophesy, one of the definitions is you see that. There's something you see with the eye of your mind. You see that and you're speaking that. You see that. Glory. Now in the Old Testament, prophecy was for the most part predictive. In the New Testament, prophecy for the most part is indicative. Indicative. So the Old Testament prophecy had a predictive element in the message. Now in the New Testament, we have an indicative message or element in the message. And it's based on always the prophecy of the book. Glory to God. Glory to God. But Satan hates prophecy. Remember when Jesus on the night of his passion, he was arrested and he stood in his trial there before Caiaphas, the high priest, Jesus had been arrested unjustly for blasphemy, accused of a crime he did not commit. But as he stood there in that trial before the high priest and the council, they spit on Jesus. They covered his face. They struck him with the palm of their hands. And they said to him as they abused him, prophesy, prophesy. Why would these diabolical agents, these diabolical agents of the devil, why would they abuse Jesus and turn him with the word prophesy? Because the devil hates prophecy. This is why Paul told the Corinthians 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3, he says, For to one is given the gift of prophecy to speak to men edification and exhortation and comfort. This is the goal of the prophecy of the book, to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. Do you think for one moment that Satan wants you to be edified? He wants you to be built up. Do you think for one moment that Satan wants you to be exhorted? He wants you to be warned by that which is to come. Do you think for one moment that the devil wants you to have any sense of comfort, any sense of peace? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So prophecy of the book is what doomed Satan in the garden in the first place. He knows that. Remember when Satan, when he deceived Eve, and then when Adam disobeyed the Lord, God cursed the serpent. And God said to the serpent, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, he says, because you did that, because you did that, did what? You deceived Eve. And you cause Adam to disobey. Because you did that, God said, you are cursed. You are cursed above every creature. And you're cursed above all the beasts. And on your belly you shall go. And thus you shall eat. Then God went on to say to him, I should say prophesy to him, and God gives the very first prophecy. And he says to him, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. That was the first prophecy ever given in the prophecy of the book. And the first prophecy ever given in the prophecy of the book was that there would be enmity, hostility, hatred between us and the devil. There would be hostility between God's creation and the devil. But God says, he, that is the promised seed, which is Jesus Christ, the son of God, he would bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. Well, many of you know that Jesus was crucified. He suffered on the cross on a hill called Golgotha. Listen to me very carefully. The word Golgotha means the place of the skull. Why would Jesus die in a place called the place of the skull? Because there he crushed the skull of the devil. Just like the prophecy of the book stated, he would crush his head, but the enemy would only bruise his heel. That's all the enemy can do to you. That's all the enemy can do to me. The, the enemy cannot destroy you. The enemy can buffet you. The enemy can bruise you. They can come against, he can come against your body, but he can't come against your mind and your soul. Somebody ought to say something. Glory to God. So Jesus being nailed in his hands and his feet, 
being pierced with a spear in his side. These were all part of the enemy bruising his heel. But when Jesus died on the cross and Jesus went to hell for you and I, but he rose the third day. When Jesus did that, he gave the devil a death blow. He bruised the skull of the devil right then and there on Golgotha. Paul told the Colossians that he spoiled principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. In other words, knowing that Jesus defeat the devil, but he paraded around the devil and says, all power in heaven and earth is in my hand. Then he came alone and gave to the believers that same power. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And that's according to the prophecy of the book. Glory to God. In closing, the prophecy of the book. Whether we're talking about marriage, our families, whether we're talking about our jobs, our careers, whether we're talking about a relationship, we need to understand the prophecy of the book to have a prophetic vision in dealing with any of those issues. With the prophecy of the book, we can prophesy life and dominion even in our children with the prophecy of the book. But you first need to prophesy to yourself. You need to look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a son of God. I have power and authority given to me by Jesus Christ. I have the spirit of God in me. We need to prophesy life and dominion in our marriages, our families, our households. Whatever concerns you, that job or even unemployment, Whatever concerns you, your career, whatever concerns you, you can stand on the prophecy of the book and you can speak a prophetic vision. You can be the beholder of that vision. Glory to God. And guess what, beloved? We can also prophesy life and dominion in the church. Glory to God. What better time is it than now? to prophesy life and dominion in the church. The enemy may think he has us against the rope, but the enemy may think he has us, but we have him. Glory to God. Because all things will work together for good to them that love God, to them who are to call according to his purpose. Then the enemy need to understand. We can also prophesy against Satan himself. Let me say that. You can prophesy against Satan himself and pull down his strongholds. 2 Corinthians tells us, verse 10, for the weapons, listen to me, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. That's the prophecy of the book. The prophecy of the book says, your weapon is not a carnal weapon, but your weapon are those that are mighty through God. You have the name of Jesus. You have the power of the blood. You have the prophecy of the book, the very word of God 
itself. And you can take that prophetic vision, stand on it, and you can use it as a weapon to pull down the strongholds of the enemy. Satan, you're coming down. Satan, you and your demon and all your cohorts, you're coming down because victory is ours in Christ Jesus because of the prophecy of the book. Father, thank you for the prophecy of the book. The prophecy of the book says that we are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. Greater is he that is in us than he who is in the world. We have power. We've been created after your image and after your likeness. God, whether it's marriage, family, our personal lives or any issue that we're dealing with, when we go through the prophecy of the book, we find we're created in your image and after your likeness. And God, you designed us from the very beginning to be a race of people, a nation of people who have dominion. We're to dominate circumstances. Circumstances not to dominate us. We're to rule, subjugate. We are the tread down on the enemy. According to the prophecy of the book. So may the Lord lift you up. May the Lord strengthen you. Cause you to stand. Sense the power of God in you right now. Sense the power of God. You need to look yourself in the mirror every day and say, thank God I have power according to the prophecy of the book. And because of the prophecy of the book, I have a vision. I have a vision. I have a vision of us coming together again as a church, worshiping the Lord, serving him, Enjoying the Lord, allowing the Spirit of God to move, giving God all the glory. I can see that through the eyes of my mind because of the prophecy of the book. What do you see right now? What do you see right now? And if you see anything other than victory, it's because you're not standing on the prophecy of the book and that ought to be your foundation. And without that foundation, you will not have a prophetic vision. You'll have a pathetic vision. You want a prophetic vision. A vision of victory. Glory to God. God bless you, beloved. Hold on to these words of prophecy. The prophecy of the book. Live with a prophetic vision. See the end before the beginning. And know that in the end, you always win. And this is why I like to say, have faith in God. Faith worketh by love. Walk in love and have faith in God. 
Join us Sunday at Agape Word Fellowship, where Dr. Jerry Maya Williams is your pastor, proclaiming a life-changing message of the agape love and power that God is. For more information, log on now at www.agapeword.net. 1430 South New Hope Road, Agape Word Fellowship.